0: got something for pre-show you got anything for me today
1: um i have a lot of things for you uh so
0: uh, aj followed me on twitter yeah it's a big deal on a yeah he's been on a following kick recently it's a big deal and you know what the thing i respected about it is he kind of made me earn it like i followed him probably like six seven months ago like where when he first got on twitter and then it was just no follow back and i was like all right okay i see what he's doing and then just randomly out the blue, I got the AJ Mohile follow me. And I'm just like,
1: yes. So funny story about that. So at Miami, our freshman year, my dad helped me move in. And he came and he met some of my floor mates there. And, of course, he's like a – he's an enigma, right? He's like me except, you know, 30 years older. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, of course, was very popular with, the, with the, the, the kids on the floor. And they, of course, threw him Facebook uh, friend requests. And a lot of them, like, pulled them back because he's not on Facebook that often or whatever. So a right. lot of them pulled them back except for one, this kid named Andy. Okay. And the next time my dad came by, like, later that year, Andy asked him, like, like called him out. I was like, hey, why haven't you accepted my friend request yet? And my dad said, um, you know what, Andy? Like, I don't really accept, like, people who don't have a college uh, degree yet. <laughs> so my dad, four years later... Upon when when Andy graduated accepted that accepted the request. <laughs> Andy waited four years for that friend request. So just imagine how good you must be to get that in under a year.
0: That's the guy that made you.
1: That's the guy that made me. Oh god. And a goose yeah, I'm gonna take my
2: horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my Horse through the town Road, I'm gone yeah.
1: right till I can't no more. I got, I got my horses, horses in the, the back, bag. Horse tag black is attached. a tad. Had his mad black. Got, got the boots that black that match. match. Right on a horse. Ha! You can whip your Porsche. I've been in It valley. is the two Gods
0: in a Goose Show. Place. I apologize for that right there. Uh just in advance, <laughs> it is Sham's birthday coming up on Friday. Happy early birthday to Sham, but what we've kind of done as we've been doing this almost two years now uh, On our birthday pod every year, the person whose birthday it is gets to choose the music So Sham chooses what I honestly may think or may believe Quite possibly could be the worst song ever in the history of music right there
1: It's it's actually one of the most brilliant songs that's, that, that has actually hit the airwaves in a in a while And it's because it's a blend of hip-hop and country you know, bridging gaps, um, reaching over the aisle to help, you know, uh, smooth things over amongst two groups that generally don't get along. And really, the lyrics of this song are really relatable to just about anybody in America. I mean, ride on a tractor, lean all in my bladder, cheated on my baby, you can go and ask her. That, that speaks to everybody. My Life is a Movie, Bull Riding in Boobies cowboy hat from gucci wrangler on my booty that is just (laughs) if that doesn't speak americana i don't know what does
0: it's it's really in this song is really in your wheelhouse because you are a hip-hop slash country guy like everybody that doesn't know shammy's a huge country music fan but he also likes hip-hop he likes r&b so this is really like the perfect mix of two genres you love right
1: yeah i mean i, I would like to consider myself a musical chameleon um Jesus based Christ. on based on whatever situation i'm in i can i can jam you can jam yeah i can jam just about any uh any uh, song that's kind of thrown my way um but yeah my 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 roots kind of lie in this country hip-hop yeah like this song really speaks to me i think it's quality music it's right up there with bad baby as some of the best lyricism i've seen in the past decade um, and yeah, I'm really excited that we started the show with this. Really happy about it. Uh,
0: we have a lot to get to today. We just letting everyone behind the curtain as we usually do. Uh, we apologize to everyone for not doing shows in the last monthish. Both of our schedules have just been absolute mayhem to where we're we're really we really in the past. Sham, you can attest to this. In the past, we've kind of been lazy when we haven't done shows, but this one we've really tried to make it work the last couple of weeks. But either one of us has had kind of a you know has been busy at the time, so. Um, you know, we want to apologize to everybody, but letting everyone behind the curtains, uh, we weren't going to do this until the weekend, but obviously this past weekend's NBA, We hit each other yesterday. Like, yeah, we got to do this tomorrow. So so a lot to get to today. We have a really good guest um, coming up. Before we get started, um, plug the iTunes, Stitcher, talk about the iHeart partnership and the merch right quick.
1: So, yeah, you can find us, like always, on iTunes, the Apple podcast section. You can find us on Stitcher. And now you can find us on iHeart Radio just by searching Two Gods and a Goose in any one of those search bars, and we will come up in HD Audio. I'm really excited about our partners with all of those. We also have merch. Um, depending on what merch you buy, um, it will go to a certain charity. We have, I think, three or four different charities that are possible. So make sure you check that out. I will have a link in my Twitter, at Sham We're really excited to have you. Um, make sure you rate and review our pod. And if you have anything less than five stars to give, give it to another podcast that you don't like. Just don't give it to us. We only get five stars here.
0: We'll delete anything that's not a five star. It never happened. Yep.
1: Mhm.
0: You know, I looked at the topics and I was like, "Look, where are we going to get the show off the ground? You know, what topic to hit first? And I don't know where else we start other than eating Cheetos with a fork.
1: Well, I'm not sure what there is to talk about. I I I so I eat Cheetos with a fork. Yeah, give some I,
0: context why this is a topic.
1: I'm not sure how exactly it came up, I I, I believe it was a spin-off out of our March Snackness episodes um last month and all of the people who eat cheetos either have red or orange fingers depending on which cheeto they they decide to consume i am bucking that trend by using the fork so that you know what i can eat cheetos um discreetly nobody knows that i've eaten cheetos because now my fingers aren't orange they're red that's a dead giveaway that's a dead giveaway so you know what and, and actually, no matter how much washing you do on your hands, they'll always have that red tint or that orange tint. No matter how much hand washing you do for at least one day after eating Cheetos, uh, that, that tint remains. And f- having a fork, which everybody has, either plastic or metal, um, and you can even use a spork. Go crazy. It is one of the most important things is your, is your hand... Color and to make sure that nobody has realized that you've eaten Cheetos in the you know within the hour or within the past twenty four hours. So I'm not sure what the big deal is here.
0: Are you doing this now in uh by yourself, or are you doing this in a group of people? Like if there is, say, you're at a a Super Bowl party or you're at a playoff watch party or something, there's a group of people and there's Cheetos around. You are going to make an effort to get a fork to eat your Cheetos in in that setting.
1: So what I would do is I would carefully grab the 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 desired amount of cheetos and place it onto my my plate okay and then i would use yeah i would use a fork and i'll eat it i'm not sure what the big
0: deal is here and people obviously comment on how ridiculous this is right like this is not it's about
1: 50 50. some people are like wow that's brilliant i wish i had you know came up with that so now i'm just have orange fingers i feel all like the no
0: time. one has said that exact sentence you just said well, i don't I, think anyone said that to you
1: in theory who wants cheesy fingers really and honestly, this can be applied to, uh, to any other messy snack. What is the issue? Because it comes in a bag, what's the what's the problem here? I, I'm
0: not going to be a hypocrite. Uh, I'm not using I'm, chopsticks. I'm going to let... Eating Cheetos is ridiculous, but I will say there have been times when anyone that knows me and everyone that knows me right now is going to laugh when I say this. I, I have a thing about my hands being greasy or dirty. It's... I'm, Boom. I'm ridiculous. No, I'm not going to go... I've never You're eaten welcome. Cheetos with a fork. I've never eaten Cheetos with a fork, but... I will tell you and this is almost sacrilegious I have eaten at times or I tend to, will at times eat pizza with a fork.
1: So I'm actually on the fence with that idea like if it's like a like a moderately you know like a, like the temperature of the pizza is not too hot and it can be picked up easily I would eat with my hands but if it is one of those like flatter, gooier, like hotter pizzas, I would definitely prefer to use fork and knife.
0: I guess it kind of depends for me a lot of times of the the amount of grease on the pizza. It just depends. There's certain spots you go to when it's not really greasy and it doesn't really get your hands greasy at all. So those type of places I will eat. I'm not opposed to eating pizza. I think it's a 50 50 thing, but I just wanted to not be a complete hypocrite and say, while well, I can blast you for eating Cheetos with a fork because that's absurd. Um, I also will tend to eat pizza with a fork or have before
1: and honestly i bet a lot of people listening are clowning me but they're thinking in the back of their mind like next time they eat cheetos and especially the hot cheeto variety the one that gets your fingers just nice and red they may pick it up because everybody has a fork and maybe you know when it's like late in the evening and you're by yourself you know shirt off bag of cheetos on your chest <laughs> maybe you'd opt for a fork at that time <laughs> that's when i do let's get to the nba because
0: this was just a mind-boggling weekend of basketball um you know the first round was kind of anticlimactic to a lot of people but this second round um outside of maybe one series was was a whole lot of fun um i wanted to start you know with the last game we watched because um, that end really is the thing that sticks out to me and Kawhi leonard's game winner Against the philadelphia 76ers if you didn't see it. I don't know what you're doing with your life I just want to get your reaction quickly to that shot specifically
1: first of all that that shot Hit more rim than I do after a long night of drinking um, In the toilet, Uh, so literally grazed every every inch of that rim before going in and It was well defended Joel Embiid defended it well yeah, he got a hand but, right in his face. Yeah, right in his face. And that's one of the better defenders in the whole league. And sometimes you just got to tip your hat to greatness. And that's that's exactly what that was.
0: I want to just catch up real quick and hit you with this for the uh, more rim than me after a night. That
1: was horrible, obviously.
0: Um, the shot, you know, it, it was one of those things, when, and I text my sister before it, because Kawhi missed a free throw before, before they got the ball. And then Jimmy Butler, you know, went down and got the two to tie it. And... It was like there's about four seconds left. And I text my sister, and I was like, Kawhi, game winner. Because you're not used to that. That missed free throw could have been significant if they would have went to overtime and ended up losing. That's not a mm-hmm. position we see Kawhi Leonard in very often. So to me, it kind of was like, yeah, he's going to hit the game winner here. And I knew right when he got the ball and, and, and he went to his right, he loves the right fades. And they when Philly let him get to the right, and, and no question, Embiid contested it. I mean you can't you can't play better defense on that shot. And I was kind of thinking about this last night after I after, you know, the shot, he made the shot which obviously ended the series which is insane in its own. Where does that shot land in NBA history though honestly? We've had some some great, I mean even in these playoffs we had Damian Lillard hit a 38-footer that ended Oklahoma City and then he waved to Oklahoma City. Where does this fall, Jordan? You know, against Cleveland, where does this fall as far as game winners in NBA history to you?
1: Oh, this is definitely top five, I would say, in NBA history. the The few that come to mind are the uh, Derek Fisher point four seconds yeah, yeah, shots. Yeah, yep, against San. Antonio. That comes to mind. Yep, the Chauncey Billups half court heave. That was against New um, Jersey, right? Against New Jersey, yep. um, to to push that series into over or that 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 game into overtime. Um, both Damian Lillard's shots, both the 38-footer that he hit this season, and I think two or three seasons ago the yeah, one where he ended the, the, the Rockets. Houston, yep. This goes up there in terms of clutch with those. I think in terms of difficulty, this might be the most difficult shot, difficult game-winning shot that I've ever seen in my life. Fading away, the potential defensive player of the year, if not the, the uh, runner-up to the defensive player of the year, in his face game seven it, the way the ball had hit the rim and everything like it wasn't a clean shot at all and it, it's just it's amazing yeah that was honestly one of the best shots ever seen in my life
0: even as as great as Kawhi was in the series and he was phenomenal um toronto man it, it's they're just bad without him
1: oh they're horrendous without him
0: i saw some numbers duncan smith um and i i made a note of these i saw and shout out to duncan i'm just gonna hit you with these numbers and let you react to it The Raptors are 62 points per 100 possessions better when Kawhi is on the floor than when he is off.
1: I mean, we kind of saw that too. I mean, every time Kawhi comes off was when Philly made their run. This series, I really got to see, like, shot creator Kawhi. Like, take somebody off the dribble, uh, dribble them into the paint, and then fade away for a a mid-range. And he was shooting some, like, ridiculous percentage from mid-range this series. I think last year, people really forgot how good this dude really was. Mm-hmm. You know, he
0: did a lot of these same things in San Antonio. You know, at, at one point, I mean, he was right behind LeBron James in that conversation of best player in the NBA. And I think he has established, I mean, he's he has put Toronto on his shoulders and yep. taken them to the Eastern Conference Finals right now. And and that that term, that, you know, he put him on his shoulders. That's used a lot in sports, but literally that's what this dude Kawhi did in the series. Yep. Uh, transitioning to Philly, I can't say and, and people have listened to to our previous, you know, previous shows, you know, I was not sold on Philly. I've not been sold on Philly. The talent has always been there. Obviously, no one can argue with that. But, you know, what happened, what we saw in the end of the game last night was really Philadelphia's calling card. They don't know what they want to do late in games. And you saw that. Their offense struggled. You do not you with these all these games and we talked about it on the last show, I think. When we were talking about the, the top teams in both conferences, and you know what they want to do. You know late Toronto wants to go to Kawhi. You know what these teams want to do. With, with Philly, you have no clue. They, what do they post up? Embiid once? So you don't know. Is it, it going to be Jimmy Isos? They have no identity. So my thing for you is, with Tobias and Jimmy both being free agents this summer, where does Philly go from here?
1: If financially possible, I would try and bring both of them back. Um, Both Tobias Harris and Jimmy that starting lineup did work um, Especially with JJ Redick on the court as well. Those five worked really well together and I think it's important for Philly not to kind of overreact here they were a, a Ridiculous shot away From taking that team to overtime in game seven They were so so close and they should take a look at the Rockets from last year and the Rockets made drastic changes to their roster kind of shifted some parts around tried to see what works what didn't work and the rockets were honestly a hamstring away from being the nba finals i'm glad and you finally
0: i'm glad you finally admitted that that's no they were i mean that's
1: tremendous. that's the truth i've always been on that uh on that train uh what <laughs> so where where philly needs to go is just keep consistent the one thing that they do need to shore up is their bench their bench has been terrible run it back and see what happens with this core if it doesn't Honestly, they should really consider tanking.
0: The tank crowd on NBA Twitter is going to love you for that comment. If I am Philly right now, I am very concerned. This is not a run-back thing. Jimmy probably doesn't stay. I don't know what Tobias. I know Tobias is probably going to look for money. If I'm looking at Philadelphia and I'm looking at the process, man, I, I don't know right now, man. You're talking about their core two guys. Their best player, Joel Embiid, who touched the ball once in the post last night. He plays outside the post way too often. He took settled way too many times yesterday in elimination too many jumpers too many jumpers right uh he you know he, he's kind of fitting into that big the the classic big man where you're like playing the post more going the post more going the post more and he's trying to take jumpers he settled a whole lot and then honestly man ben simmons I, you know this is a guy that's a phenomenal athlete um he's he's worthless outside of five feet he's worthless outside of five feet and or I look could have
1: at, have stopped at Worthless.
0: And I look at those two guys as being the core of this team, and I'm like, yeah, that's not really a great fit. Cause one guy has a little ability to shoot threes, but he shouldn't. And the other guy is is worthless outside of five feet. Honestly, Philly, and shout out to my brother Shad. We talked about this last night. Um, Philly may need to look at what that market is looking like for Ben Simmons. It's not a match with with Embiid. It's simply not. So I don't know where they go from here Sham, but they should be concerned. This is not a running back situation. A guy, a team with one dude just beat him.
1: They have four dudes. Yeah, but that dude, but that dude is playing like the best I'm, player in the NBA right I'm now. I'm not
0: discrediting that. I'm saying still one dude, whether it be LeBron James, whoever that person, one dude beat four dudes.
1: Sure, if the market is great for Ben Simmons and they can get like a haul for him, like sure, why not consider it whatever maybe put in like a more stereotypical point guard on there, whatever. Um, but is the market going to be great for a six ten Rondo? I don't know.
0: Uh, I want to transition and talk about um, Portland and Denver, a series that arguably to everyone was the mo- has been the most exciting series um, thus far in these playoffs. And I want to talk about C.J. McCollum's Game 7 takeover. And what he did yesterday was just exceptional. I wanted to get your thoughts on 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 that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, you, you kind of kind of nailed it. Like what he did last night was exceptional, and essentially the whole series, he's really been the primary source of offense. Um, Damian Lillard has really struggled. He had a really good series last series, um, but uh, this series he really hasn't been himself. Um, but that's kind of the importance of having two really good offensive minded guards in the backcourt. That when one falters, you can kind of rely on the other one and vice versa.
0: Yeah, I mean you you look at yesterday and you go they went into, you know, their first game 7 ever for most of those guys. They went on the road to a place where no one had beat them twice this year. No one had beat the Nuggets in their building twice this year, right? Portland's the mm-hmm. only team this year to do that. You know, Denver's coming off their big game 7 win against San Antonio in the first round. You go in there and your best player is three of seventeen, and you get the win. Still, that's mind-boggling to me. And and I understand in this series, and and I maintain this whole series. I think, and I still think today, Denver is a smidgen better as a team. But those two dudes that Portland has were arguably the best players in the series. So they're, they're hot. They're stars bomb. like that can take a game seven. You know that we saw that yesterday with four guys getting beat by one dude with a with a, who hit an amazing shot. That tends to happen in the series, and understandably. Denver, you know, I mean, I think they finished tenth among all playoff teams in points per possession on unguarded catch and shoot jumpers. I mean, they shot 35%. Portland's defense was nothing to to scream about in this series. But it came down to yesterday and and everyone always talks about this. Stan Van Gunny was talking about it on Lebertard today. The playoffs are about stars, man. And CJ McCollum yesterday showed up big time.
1: If you look at Denver, there's a lot to criticize there. Like their 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 best player, Jokic played played exactly the way you expected him to nearly a triple double you know pretty efficient from the field but the problem is everybody else around him kind of wasn't so good jamal murray has been absent uh the entire series uh the bench has been non-existent the entire series so i'm honestly surprised it went to seven given that those two things weren't there um portland was missing their third best player um and has been the entire playoffs so I think what they're doing is incredible. They're they're very clearly the hottest team in the NBA right now. I I do think it'll be an interesting series. It'll be like the closest four game sweep.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I think that you have to give props to Denver as far as the Dame thing. Um, they came up with a great game plan, and Portland struggled to really adjust to the the blitzes and things they were doing with Dame. And then a guy like Rodney Hood, who what we talked about at the at yep. the at the trade deadline, was a huge pickup. A dude like that, especially in that series where they just posted him on jamal murray he had he you know he was able to really feast in the paint that the the, that portland team and and this is why i said what i said in march and we'll get back to that in a second about how wrong you were with that uh this is why i said in march portland was the second best team in the west because they used to be the team that was like you know almost switch off hey you take it this time all right you take it next time with cj and dame they're not that team anymore now they're a team that other guys can do it. They got, you know, they lost Nurkic, like you said, their third best player. Cantor's came in and played his ass off in this series. They haven't really lost a lot. Sure, they've lost some rim protection on defense, but they haven't lost a lot because the team is extremely
1: deep. Yeah, they're the hottest team right now, and like I said, it'll be it'll be interesting uh, when they go up and face Golden State. I mean, I think each one of the games will be close. But I do think Golden State will find a way to win each and every one of them. No one's
0: supposed to beat Golden State right now. And I think for Portland, you're playing you're you're there's no pressure right now. You've already you've already no, you got, got house money. Yeah, you're playing with house money at this point. No mm-hmm. one is in the NBA is supposed to be Golden State right now. They're t- they're a super team, a mega super team.
1: I could see Portland taking game one. Now, only because Kevin Durant may not be there. That's a huge loss for Golden State. And Portland is coming off this emotional game seven win. They are the hottest team, but I do think Golden State will dismiss them in four or five. Before
0: we move on to the next topic, did you want to touch on me telling you Portland was the second-best team back in March and you had them as fifth or sixth, or do you just sure. want to eat that one?
1: I mean, I've eaten a lot of stuff on the show, so I can eat this one too.
0: How do you respond to that?
1: At the time, I thought they were fifth or sixth, and clearly I, I was wrong. Um, I think at the time, they genuinely were fifth or sixth. I don't think that was even debat- like, debatable, but everybody's playing out of their mind right now. So now they are the second-best team in the West. And you were right. You were not right back then. You're right now. And Keith told me. Yep, he did. He tried to tell you <laughs> A lot you guys. of people
0: verifying what Keith said, by the way. I tried to tell him. I told you back in March, Portland was the second-best team in the, in, 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 the lead, in the West rather, because of their depth. Guess, what, guess why they just beat Denver? Because of their depth, Sham.
1: Also, let's not forget, Denver is a bunch of frauds. So let's take yeah, that with this. There result. it is.
0: There's the sham cover for himself. <laughs> yes, I was just waiting for it.
1: I mean Jamal Murray folded like he had a two six hand in Texas Hold'em. He folded like a like a top sheet. He folded like a, a paper towel that you would need to to, to clean up a wet spot. You gotta fold it up, gotta use it, you know, dab it, the maximum moisture That's off just you know. Good lord. I'm trying to find fold, you know, folding analogies. It's really tough off the fly, hey, but, but if you folded.
0: You want to talk about folding and bust? Let's transition to the to the final topic that we have uh, to get this started, and and we have a cool NBA guest coming up. But how about Golden State and Houston, man? How about the Houston Rockets? Golden State went onto the Houston Rockets game, home floor in Game Six without Kevin Durant, without DeMarcus Cousins, and they. They they were like, look, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we don't need a game seven. We'll take you guys out in game six. How those teams ended up finally with Denver and Portland being two and three ahead of Houston, that was completely right. Houston's not be the better than either of those teams. This is not the Houston team from last year. Nope. Um, I think at this point, first off, let's never mention Golden State and Houston as a rivalry ever again. A rivalry is not when one team beats the other team every single time. That's not what a rivalry is, right? Shout mm-hmm. out to UCLA, USC, UCLA. Same thing. A rivalry is not when one person is your father. Shout out to UCLA. Houston needs to really look in the mirror at
1: this. At this right now, Sham. There's problems. I just don't know what they were thinking. Like they they replaced arguably their best wing defender with Carmelo Anthony. And did they expect to get back to the to the spot that they did last year? If it weren't for James Harden, they wouldn't even be in that situation. They would have been dismissed in four or five.
0: I'm with you. That's kind of the system, and we'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about Harden first, because Chris Paul showed up in Game 6. James Harden kind of did what he's kind of getting known to do in elimination games.
1: He was 11 for 25.
0: So 11 for 25, right? He missed—what what was his free throws?
1: He missed like five
0: free throws. Seven for
1: 12. Yep, five free throws missed.
0: So this narrative of James Harden elimination games, let me run this back. You said 11 of 25, right?
1: 11 of 25. So
0: these are James Harden, you know, his field goals in elimination games since he got traded to Houston. You ready for this, Sham? I'm ready. So 11 for 25 in this recent game, a loss. 12 of 29, a loss. 2 of 11, a loss. 12 of 23, a loss. 2 of 11, a loss. 7 for 20, a win. 9 for 15, a loss. 7 for 22, a loss. He's 1 in 7, An elimination game since coming to Houston. That's not that we can't let that slide anymore, Sham.
1: Really can't let that slide. And especially in in D'Antoni's system where it's like, you know, you need to take quick shots, preferably threes. What happens is if you're not hitting those threes, you're just missing shots at a faster rate than what you normally would. Yeah, Harden really hasn't been great, but there really has been no other source of offense on that team. But that's the system. That's D'Antoni's system. That's the bigger issue to me. I think if we had a healthy CP3, we'd see more of what we saw last year. What do you I think? think that, that,
0: but, but see, Chris Paul is 34 years old, Sham. How much oh, I'm more are you going
1: to get? No, no, I'm not saying that that is, like, that is what's going to happen. Yeah, he's, he's 34. I don't think we're ever going to see the same 2017-18 Rockets. Um, but now where do you go from here? But I don't think Harden is the reason. I think Harden needed to do that to keep them competitive, to keep them afloat.
0: My original point was Houston needs to really stop. There needs to be red lights flashing right now. Because Chris Paul is 34, right? And we'll get to the mm-hmm. contract in a moment. James Harden's now 1-7 in seven in elimination games. He's played well in maybe four of the, the eight games, right? Mm-hmm. So you've seen a thing where he str- he can struggle in elimination games. He's not the guy that every elimination game you're looking at, like, oh, yeah, he's going to show up. Chris Paul really is the reason they even competed in that game, right? And then you talk about Mike D'Antoni's system. Let me run this back to you, Sam. Speaking of numbers, right? I'm going to run back. Since 2005, Mike D'Antoni in the playoffs, right? In 2005, a 4-1 loss to Popovich. 2006, 4-2 loss to Johnson. 2007, 4-2 loss to Pop. 2008, 4-1 loss to Pop. 2011, 4-0 loss to Rivers. 2013, 4-0 loss to Pop. 2017, 4-2 loss to Pop. 2018, 4-3 loss to Steve Kerr. 2019, 4-2 loss to Steve Kerr.
1: Mike D'Antoni's system's not a winner, bro. It's not, and especially in the playoffs, you really can't. You can't operate like the way they have, especially this year. We saw, well, I guess this series, we saw like the the bad D'Antoni system. I think we saw like an abridged version of that system with James Harden taking a lot on his shoulders, and he, you know, he shot twenty five times in the game. That's a lot.
0: I just think Harden is is a phenomenal. I mean, he's one of the best offensive players we've ever seen in this league. But he's a phenomenal facilitator and they Mike don't Mike Dantonio hasn't been put in positions to do that the majority of the time. Certainly not this year. I mean it's basically get give Harden the one four ISO and get out of the way at this point or run a high screen. This D'Antonio thing is not working, man. That they, they should really they really need to look Daryl Morey and them then the and the Rockets management need to look at another option sooner than later. A a great coach is supposed to put your best players in position to win. This is not a system that
1: wins. It's never won in the NBA. It's never going to win. I'm not sure what they're going to do this offseason, but they need to change that roster. The roster isn't going to work.
0: You're talking about where do they go from here? That's a great question because you're talking about Chris Paul at 34. The next three years, 39 million, 41 million, 44 million. He's not going to get better, Sham. He's not going to get younger. He's not.
1: And by 38, he's going to be getting paid 45 million almost. So I don't know. If you're, it's if gonna you're, be hard.
0: If you're Houston today, Portland and Denver passed you by, man, and they're they're not getting any. They're not. They're getting only going to get more experience. Dame and CJ are young. Nurk is like 23.
1: Denver's core is all young. They're all babies. I mean, well, here's the problem. They pushed all their chips to the table last year, right, to make that run. Yep. And they were hamstring away from getting there, but yep. they didn't get there. So now they have to deal with the consequences of what they did last year. They will be a playoff team next year. Of course But is that the expectation of this team? No They're not going to win a championship going forward with this core Because they're so capped out with money And they don't really have any future talent I can't name their best young prospect on that team The future for Houston is not bright, period There is no future Clint Capella, I think, is their best young prospect And he's out there getting out-rebounded by Chris Paul In, in Game 7
0: the bottom, sorry, game six. The, the bottom line, Sham, is In Houston right now, the red light should be flashing Mm-hmm. Period. Hey, this is t of TLC, and you are listening to Two
1: Gods and a Goose. Uh, and you know what? Uh-uh-uh. Y'all ain't stupid like stupid. You stupid like stupid. Like S-T-O-O-O-P-I-D. Stupid. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Channel 2GG News. I'm your host, Chip Riley, and let's get right into the stories for today. The Toronto Raptors edge the Philadelphia 76ers as Kawhi Leonard's shot in the closing seconds of Game 7 hits just about every inch of the rim prior to finally sinking in. Former University of Michigan basketball coach John Beeline has accepted the head coaching position of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And lastly, a Kentucky teen who sued over school ban for refusing chicken pox, now has chicken pox. Two and a goose? Wait, uh, a goose? Is this right? This is the two gods in a goose show. Welcome back. Now we have Dan Favalli, deputy editor of NBA Math, national NBA writer for Bleacher Report, co host of the Hardwood Knox podcast, one of the best podcasts out there. I was on it, so I know. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me,
0: Dan. I'm really excited. We're just meeting each other, but I'm a huge, um, a, a huge fan of the uh, NBA math. That it's just outstanding, man. Thanks, I appreciate it,
1: Dan. I, I just, I just want to get your opinion on uh, something we were talking about earlier. Um, do you think it's weird that I eat oh, Cheetos with a fork, or, or or do you think it's something break like that's a breakthrough, you know, way of thinking, and I'm forward for actually doing that. What is
2: the logic behind eating Cheetos with a fork? Dan, why? So you know
1: how when you eat So you know when you eat Cheetos you get the the orange fingers or red fingers? Sure. The fork avoids that.
2: I feel like the orange and red fingers are part of the Cheetos experience though. And if Amen. you're not willing to go through that, you probably shouldn't be eating Cheetos. Agreed.
1: What if you're, you know, eating your Cheetos, and about an hour from then, you have like a date or something? Is your date gonna want to see red fingers? I don't know.
2: Can't you wash your fingers before you go That's, on your date, though?
1: Uh, no, no, yeah, no. But no, but no matter how much washing you do, you're gonna have that red tint or that <laughs> orange tint.
2: I think you might be eating too many Cheetos or not yep. washing yep. your hands yep. correctly. Yep.
1: It's yep. one. Or, it's one or the other. Dan's yeah, pretty much I mean,
2: echoing everything I told you earlier.
1: I don't. First of all, you never criticized my hand washing technique, Keith. Um, and I do at least both hands under the water with a little bit of soap. Do you do it any other way? I
2: I don't know. I just, I would, I think having the orange tinted fingers is part of the, the Cheetos experience. I guess if you're eating Cheetos daily, which might be a different issue that I guess it would make sense, but I I don't know. I'd view it as part of the experience to have those orange fingers.
0: I just really think you could just wash your hands and this would be a non yeah. thing.
1: Well, I mean, how much scrubbing do you want to do? My hands are not like dirty; like they're clean. Well, it's just well, now we're getting into
0: a
2: question of personal hygiene.
0: Yeah, I, this this unlocks so many questions about you, Sham. Honestly,
1: well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm also the same guy who like ate who ate hot dogs on the air, you know, in, on one of our episodes. That's true. So, like, that's true. Uh, so, you know, hygiene isn't really my forte, but you know, so Dan, there's been a lot of basketball going on. You like basketball? What bit. was the best? <laughs> what was the best moment? Oh, the first two rounds of the NBA playoffs for you.
2: I didn't think anything was going to top Damian Lillard's uh, 37, 35-footer, whatever it was against Oklahoma City, but Kawhi Leonard's shot uh, to beat the Sixers in Game 7 was just absolutely absurd that it came over Joel Embiid, who was literally right in his face with his hands outstretched, that it bounced on the rim uh, four times before it fell through, that it eliminated a team that has so many questions um, To address in free agency this offseason, that it was the biggest shot in Raptors franchise history, that it's huge because Leonard's a free agent and the Raptors are worried about losing him. The implications of that shot could just reverberate across the NBA to so many teams. You know, the Clippers, what if they can't, what if he all of a sudden stays in Toronto now? That's the shot that convinces him to be a Raptor. There's just so many implications there. And to have watched it, it was just. I had no rooting interest, and yet my heart stopped while that thing was on the rim for however long it was there.
1: Do you think he stays after that, like after that moment, that defining moment in that jersey? Like, do, like do you think that that, like, makes him stay? In I actually of-
2: don't, which is weird for me to say that. I, if they don't make it to the NBA Finals, I think he's gone, which is sort of an unfair burden to put on the Raptors in general. But if you get eliminated by the Bucs, I, I don't know. It just becomes a little bit tougher, I think, to pitch him. Um, And they're they're limited in what they can do to improve the supporting cast, at least for next summer. They'd have to make some trades. However, if you get to the NBA Finals, even if you lose to the Warriors, you can at least talk yourself into being on that championship round treadmill in the Eastern Conference. I would think so. I give the Raptors at least a 50/50 shot right now and I that's probably more than or a lot more than we would have given them when they traded for him over the summer, but if they want to turn it into a non-issue or if they really want to be heavy favorites, I do think they need to beat the Bucks and reach the finals.
1: Do you think that that Toronto can actually beat the Bucks cuz the Bucks are re- like they're they're really good and they've kind of dismissed two two teams very quickly, very easily.
2: I picked the Raptors to come out of the East at the beginning of the season and I'm stubborn, so I'll just stick with it but if you don't get more consistent play from your supporting cast which was supposed to be a strength for Toronto because their bench was so good last season it's going to be a problem because we've seen what the bucks depth can do uh, you're looking at a team that really hasn't had Malcolm Brogdon a 50-40 90 guy for the playoffs you know he played for a few minutes in that Celtics series and if, if he's You know, healthy, rested, and and you factor in what Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe have done. You're going up against a team with the Raptors that should allow you to probably book Lopez even more. We've seen George Hill really get after it in the playoffs. The Raptors, meanwhile, are wondering, you know, how many wide-open threes is Marcus All going to pass up? And uh, can Kyle Lowry give us more aggressive offense for longer stretches at a time? And even in Game 7, I think after watching Pascal Siakam, even the past few nights, it's what is he going to do? Um, following that thigh injury that he suffered. So I do think the Raptors are equipped to beat the Bucks, but it's not going to be a series that they win in fewer than six or seven games, and it's not going to be a series they win if, if you don't get top-notch play from uh Kyle Lowry and Marcus All on offense, and then even more so, I think we need to look at the bench and can you get really good minutes from Fred Van Fleet, who's been killing you at points in the playoffs.
1: Is the team that comes out of the East the favorite to win the NBA title, or do you still lean Golden State?
2: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you pick anyone but Golden State. Even if Kevin Durant weren't to play again in the playoffs, I think he's out for games one and two of the conference finals now. I just don't. There's still this... While it may be weaker than it has been in years past, there's still this feeling of inevitability around the Warriors. And and so I think both the Raptors and Bucks, though, have viable chances to, to push the Warriors to the brink and maybe even beat them. And that's what's great about the Eastern Conference Finals is these were probably the two teams best suited to beat Golden State. That said, I don't know what the rationale would be behind Picking against Golden State unless they suffer yet another cataclysmic injury.
1: So we got Dan Favalli on with us, deputy editor of NBA Math, national NBA writer for Bleacher Report, and co-host of the Hardwood Knox podcast.
0: Dan, I want to transition to the, to the Western Conference. You kind of touched on Golden State there. Uh, and, you know, fresh in our minds is, you know, C.J. McCollum's performance yesterday against Denver, you know, Pretty much, just uh, you know, demolish them in in really one four pick one four pick and rolls, pretty much one four sets the whole the whole game, and especially you know in the third and then and then the fourth quarter. My question for you, because you you know the NBA, Matt, you're you're an analytics guy, you you that's where you excel. How good is C.J. McCollum?
2: I've gone back and forth on this. And he, the regular season, he did not have... It was anyone who's going to average over 20 points a game unless they're on Andrew Wiggins' efficiency. You've had a good year. I just... I go back and forth because he is bad defensively where we've seen Damian Lillard get better at not dying on screens. Uh, CJ McCollum still has that in him, that ward in his game. But he is, I think, the smoothest, the silkiest offensive player in the league right now. I haven't trusted anyone to use the glass on the move like him since Tim Duncan, really. Uh, his mid-range game is just, it's absolute fire. He's the guy, there are guys in the league you give Car Blanc to take those shots, and, and he is one of them. And the fact that he can work off the ball and hit a fairly high percentage of his standstill threes, it, it makes him close to plug-and-play on offense. And to have that, but also be this, I would say above average from scratch creator in the half court when you have the ball in your hands. It It is hard to find players like those, but I do go through spurts where I'm just back and forth on him. I think if you watch him in the regular season a lot, um, and Blazers fans can speak to this more than I can, there are times where his game sort of grades on you, but you're looking at the playoffs. He actually, he's a scorer that can really make some noise and carry you for certain stretches, as we saw in Game 7 against the Nuggets.
0: Right, and, and with those two guys... You know, and then, you know, Sham and I have talked about it on this show since, you know, really the trade deadline, the depth of that team this year. You know, they're not basically, and, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, they used to kind of be a team where it was like, all right, Dame, you take it this time. Okay, CJ, you take it next time. Okay, Dame. They have a bunch of guys. Rodney Hood in the Denver series was huge. Um, you know, with the depth and and those two, those two you know, that
2: backcourt, can they realistically give Golden State a run? I don't really see it. Uh, I guess it's possible. I just don't know how they end up defending Golden State because you're going to have to play both McCollum and Lillard heavy minutes. You don't have luxuries in the front court that you did when Yusuf Nurkic was healthy. Uh, not that he would have been particularly better at chasing around Draymond Green for stretches if that's what it came to, but he's better than Ennis Cantor, who's had some big mo- moments for them. He's not as foul-happy as Zach-, Zach Collins, who's also had some big moments for them. And now when you cake in Rodney Hood's day-to-day uh, I think it was a hyperextended knee or whatever he suffered in game 7 That that's going to create some problems and they, they could use, even looking on offense they could use another guy who can both shoot and dribble and they don't really have that right now, Seth Curry is there but you'd probably prefer that player to be a wing and I don't think you are going to trust Harkless or Aminu to really operate off the dribble I think they fall at least one player short of making it an actual series but I've actually picked against them in their First two rounds. So uh, if they're going to prove me, if there's going to be a team, I guess that proves me wrong. It, it might be it might be them. I, I would be surprised though if they were able to push it to to six games at this point.
1: Kevin Durant is injured right now. He got injured um, in game five, I believe, of the last series. How how different is Golden State with Kevin Durant and without Kevin Durant?
0: God, Slim, just gross, man. Yeah. <laughs>
2: they're they're different without him in the sense that they can be more freewheeling particularly in the playoffs, they're going to cater to him in the half court and really just rely on him to make these square one looks that don't always come off of ball movement. They're going to let him hold the ball. And then without him, you're just going to see, I feel like you're going to see them do more things off the ball, and then you're going to have Stephen Curry on the ball, and he's just more of a flashy improv player than Kevin Durant when they're at their peak though they can really just meld those two styles when it's down the stretch of close games yes you're going to go to Kevin Durant um who it seems it feels like he scores out of rhythm of the offense kind of like we've seen from Kawhi in Toronto but for the first you know 40 42 minutes of the game they'll do a better job of balancing touches between Steph and Kevin Durant they'll have Durant doing more stuff off the ball they'll be in motion Uh, in the half court and it's easier to maintain that identity when kevin durant isn't there that doesn't make them better but i I do think on some level there's i I think you can argue that they're more exciting without him more more aesthetically pleasing but when they are at their best and we've seen it it just maybe hasn't been with the consistency we'd like uh they're able to, to blend what they do best with what they really need him for and so that's where anyone who thinks that they might be better off without him, but I think you really that case begins to fall apart, uh, if not beforehand, by crunch time because it's Stephen Curry's a fantastic player. I'm not saying he's easier to neutralize, but with Kevin Durant's length and, and height listed at six nine, probably like seven three or something, but um he he can just shoot over anyone, rise up over anyone and and so it's there's definitely a different brand of basketball being played without him and it might be more fun but they're still a team that I think is noticeably better when they have him in the lineup
0: absolutely uh speaking of of Durant and I and I when I found out you were coming on with us today uh you know I really wanted to kind of touch on this on this topic because this has kind of been fascinating to me in the second round you know you talk about guys like Durant Kawhi McCollum you know, and especially in their second-round series, I mean, these are guys that have killed teams from the mid-range. I, you know, obviously, I understand how NBA Twitter works. I understand how sports fans in general work, where it's, you know, ice cold or smoldering hot. So in no way am I saying, hey, we're going back in time. And But did we, Dan, do you think we underestimated the mid-range
2: game in today's game? I think it's just complicated. There have always been... I think the anti-mid-range stance just gets uh, conflated with mid-range is bad. And there have always been players, there will always be players um, who you want taking those shots or will, or allow them to take those shots without second-guessing it. It's It really begins to become a problem we're focusing on the guys who aren't Durant and McCollum, the standstill shooters. If you're going to be someone who has to hit a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities, you should be beyond the arc. It's also an issue for guys who are going to take um, 20, 21 footers, 22 footers in volume. That's when you want to know why they aren't taking the, the step or two back. And then, yes, there is the math problem there where if you're shooting, you know, sub 35, 36, sub 40% on mid range looks, it, it, mathematically, it would make more sense then to go out um, at, and shoot from beyond the arc. And if that's become this just sweeping stance, which I, I, I agree there's probably on some level it has been, then yes, we've underestimated the. The mid-range shot to that degree. I just think it's more of, a, of an issue of how people are interpreting the the three-point revolution than it is about the the mid-range shot itself.
0: We'll get you out of here on this one. Uh I want to be the token sports radio show right now. Uh Dan, who do you have in the NBA Finals and who is your
2: champion this year? I have Warriors, Raptors, and I think that the Warriors will win that in 6 or 7. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say 7 just probably because I want there to be 7 games. I feel more confident about the Warriors winning the title, actually, than I feel confident about my Eastern Conference Finals pick. Just because the Bucs have been so good from wire to wire this year. Giannis is ridiculous. I don't know where this version of George Hill all of a sudden came from. Bledsoe, Middleton, the team is just uh, looking at their depth and, and their talent. They're scary. And so I wouldn't fault anyone for picking the Bucs to not only make the NBA Finals, but for picking the Bucks. To beat the Warriors but I still it's just tough for me to imagine anyone right now beating Golden State four times in seven tries
0: absolutely and I, and I was with you on my preseason pick was Toronto as well and I'm sticking I'm, I'm right on that bus with you but I'm, I'm right there as well on the nervousness of Milwaukee because they look damn near unbeatable uh, Dan, thanks for coming on with us, man. Let we get you out of here. Let everybody know where they can follow you. This is a must follow. Everyone that's listening to this must Required. follow. Required. Yeah let 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 them know where they can follow you on social
2: media, Dan. Uh, it's just. My name, at Dan Favalli, uh, last name F-A-V-A-L-E. And the NBA Math, obviously. Yeah, they should definitely be following NBA Math. They should also be following hardwood. hardwood Knox if they haven't yep. done that already.
1: That is one of the best podcasts. That's not ours. Um, I was on I there, appreciate
2: so. your low bar for content, <laughs>
1: <Dan>. <laughs> Bad takes, bad takes, come get your bad takes. Oh, hello there, sir. Would you like a bad take? I got one for you. Oh, this is a good one. Replacing Trevor Ariza with Carmelo Anthony is a great idea. Bad takes, bad takes. Come get your bad takes. Oh, hello there, little boy. Would you like a fresh, hot, bad take? I got one here just for you. Kyrie Irving will don the green and white in Boston next season Bad takes, bad takes, come get your bad takes. Two guys. Hey Keith, this is Sham And the goose uh. You up? This
2: is the Two Gods and a Goose Show. All
0: right, you know how we end each and every show. It is my dad's favorite segment. It is called Ask Sham. Hashtag Ask Sham on Twitter. Sham stood up. He just did 10 push-ups in a row. Struggled on the last two, but that's irrelevant. Sham, are you ready to go? Ask Sham.
1: I am f***ing ready. Yes, ma'am. It's time for Ask Sham. Question number one. Soup. Or salad? I'm all about the soup, baby. Soup can come in so many different varieties. Salad is more or less the same thing. Sham, is Kawhi Leonard the best player in the NBA? He's the best player in the NBA right
0: now. Uh, the Sharks have a 1-0 lead on the Blues heading into game two. Are the
1: Blues done, Sham? I am a big fan of the Blues. I think Aretha Franklin, BB King, Muddy Waters, they started the Blues revolution. The Blues are alive and not dead they're not done
0: what did you think of drake's new 185 million dollar private
1: jet drake is a fraud he's always been a fraud he always will be a fraud i bet that 185 million dollar jet doesn't even really cost 185 million I think he's a big frog.
0: Sham, how wrong were you about the Portland Trailblazers?
1: I was wrong. You know what? I was right about everything else. Can you put a grill together? I can put a grill together. I put my entire grill together. I wired stuff together. I got to use my engineering degree, baby. Uh, Did you know that nunchucks, grenades,
0: and IEDs were banned in Arizona, and now they're not? Thoughts?
1: Arizona is just the Florida of the West. (laughs) Are you Team James Charles or Team Tati? I've always been a fan of Jamal Charles, and I love the way he ran on the the Kansas City Chiefs. I will always be a fan of him. I'm glad he got a chance to retire as a Kansas City Chief. What did you think about Aaron Rodgers' Game of Thrones cameo? He ran away and eventually got sacked by the fire, just like he does in the NFL. Uh, Does Golden State three-peat champ? They sure do. Golden State is going to be the NBA champions in 2018-19. Write it down. Book it. Write it on your grave. Golden State, NBA champions.
0: That is Ask Sham, hashtag Ask Sham on Twitter. That is the episode. Thank you to Dan Favalli. Uh, phenomenal. Go follow NBA Math if you don't. Uh, Sham, what do you think about today's episode? Definitely top 10 in season two.